Welcome, welcome everyone to the Enthusiast Life brought to you by GamerGoo. My name is Mark Turcotte. I'm so glad each and every one of you have decided to make me a part of your day. Well, my friends, it is Monday, December 28th, 2020. And yes, we've made it to the final week of 2020. That just seemed to never come, right? It never seemed we would be getting to this point. But yes, my friends, we are here. 2020 is about over. Just a few more days left. So uh, we're, we're almost there. So hopefully you had a good holiday here with your family and friends. If you could get together with them, hopefully you had a safe one. Uh, I know we sure did. And I'll be talking about some of the things here uh, that I was able to kind of play and watch here over uh, the little holiday break here. But before we do, quick little housekeeping as always. Don't forget you can follow me on Twitter at Marturk at M-A-R-K-T-U-R-C. And of course, you can always email the show at theenthuselife at gmail.com. And uh, in terms of housekeeping as well, tomorrow I will be putting the uh, latest Patreon episode into the podcast feed. So be on the lookout for that. I have yet again a nice, bright, and early day at work tomorrow. So I figured I'll pop the Patreon episode in there for you guys. Um, So be on the lookout for that. So let's jump in here to some of the things I want to talk about. First up, uh, I am going to talk about two games. And then we're going to go into Wonder Woman 1984 towards the end. And I'll do kind of what I do with The Mandalorian with that, where we'll kind of give initial impressions, and then we'll get into some spoiler territory. So, uh, But I'll let you guys know if you haven't seen Wonder Woman yet, uh, you know, when I'm going to get into the spoiler stuff. So first up, let's start with some of these games. And uh, actually, I picked up uh, or got a game here for, for Christmas from the holidays from my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. They got me Ghost of Tsushima. I know uh, it was Black Friday or one of those days I saw the game was like really discounted. So I said to my wife, I was like, yeah, this game uh, is a game I'm planning on purchasing after Christmas. So uh, I don't know. It's a pretty good price right now. You might want to either put that out or I'm going to put this on my Christmas list. Uh, So they did get it for me. And uh, I finally jumped in. I mean, this was a game this this past summer that uh, unfortunately I can't remember what was going on at the time. I don't know if I was like deep in uh, Fantasy Star or maybe I was playing World of Warcraft at the time. I don't know what it was. It's just the time that game hit, there were other things that I was playing, and I just knew I wouldn't be able to commit full time to it. Um, so getting it as a gift was was perfect here, and I'm actually kind of glad I waited because a couple things. One, this game running on a PlayStation Five, they didn't actually put out a next-gen upgrade for it however the game does run at 60 fps across the board there there was an original i think on the ps4 a a performance mode in a fidelity mode um but uh when you put it in the ps5 it just runs the the best that it can be even if you switch it between those two i believe it just runs uh, at that mode and oh my goodness every every picture every screenshot i had seen in this game prior to actually playing it obviously looked incredible everything you could see in the photo mode you know people were having a blast out there and you just see these gorgeous pictures on social media of this game and it lives up to everything i could possibly imagine this thing running in 4k hdr in 60 fps is one of the most gorgeous video games i think i've ever scene it's incredible i mean you know i think right now i'm playing you know assassin's creed valhalla and that game believe me that game looks amazing as well at times especially some of the lighting you can get going on with the ray tracing and all that but ghost of tsushima a playstation 4 game practically gives it a run for its money the the effects on the grass and like all of that is amazing to see the way the wind flows and and you know this really is an homage to those uh, samurai movies and, and kung fu movies of of years ago, and and you know even what seems to be even to the samurai culture, it seems like you know it really respects 
everything about it. And it creates this um, just atmosphere as you play the game from the music, which obviously is perfect. It's a very feudal Japan style, but it, it's very minimal, but it builds when it needs to when you get into combat. Um, the, the way it kind of has you absorb the world, like most of these games that I think like Assassin's Creed is a perfect example. Assassin's Creed doesn't put a necessarily arrow on the ground with a line. I mean, the Odyssey did in Origins, but they kind of got away with that in Valhalla. And I think part of that is because what a game like Ghost of Tsushima and and some previous, uh, open world games have kind of done away with that because it kind of takes away your immersion. And the way Ghost of Tsushima does it is you basically, you can go on your map kind of your overall map, you can click a location. And when you click it, it sets that as your, you know, destination that, that you want to go to or your objective. And when you're back in the game world, all you do is swipe up on the touchpad on the PS4 controller and the wind blows. The wind blows in the direction you're going to go. And so you're not actually following a line or anything like that. You're just following the wind. And I mean, the amount of leaves and flowers and things just kind of floating in the air because it's very windy in Tsushima. I mean, that's one thing that you think about it is kind of funny, but it's just, it adds to the overall immersion of the game. And like I said, when that wind is blowing, it's just the sound of it, the look of it, uh, it, it just really brings you in. And so what it does is it, it makes you, rather than, you know, some games where you're just going checkpoint to checkpoint to checkpoint, it's forcing you to observe the world around you. And I think that's really where this game nails everything. The immersion that's in there, the the aesthetics of the uh, buildings and everywhere that you go, your armor, even the fights that you get into. Uh, you know, when you come up to a, a settlement or a village where the Mongols are, you can go in and you, you go into a standoff mode. And it kind of goes into this uh, theatrical look to it where it kind of becomes more widescreen. You know, the black bars kind of come down from the top to make it widescreen. And you, your character, main character you play, Jin, uh, basically calls out to... The enemy that you first approach in a standoff that would be the classic uh samurai code you know because the Jin's whole thing and, and you learn this early on and they kind of bang it against your head is that he's more about being um just loyal to the samurai code so you don't hide in the shadows you don't assassinate people you just stand up and fight what's in front of you and let your let yourself be known and i think that's where kind of the the push and pull of this game is going to be because very early on they kind of teach you that you can assassinate people and can hide in the shadows and Jin is very torn when he does it that first time it flashes back to his childhood of his father saying like that is not how you fight like we we don't fight that way we fight with honor and so I think the game you know it, it allows you to go either way and you can kind of build him how you want um and it's just it, I don't want to say it's easier to fight from the shadows. I think in the end it will be, you know, and, and I'm kind of unlocking some abilities now, but because they bang it in your head so much that it's honorable to fight your enemy head on, um, that's kind of the way you want to go, you know, and, and the fighting is great. The only, the only real knock I would say against the combat is there is no lock on. So a couple times I've been kind of surrounded by, at one point, you know, a lot of times you'll get two, sometimes three enemies and you need to manually swing the camera. And I know that, it's something that we get in a lot of games, but when your uh, weapons are no are not like the right trigger in R1, which like they are in Valhalla or the Dark Souls games, and that they're actually the face buttons, um, having to swing that camera around to face your enemies takes your thumb off those face buttons, so that gets rid of your dodge 
and um, you know your attack. So that's, I just wish there was a way to do that. I can't find it. And I was actually talking to somebody at work that that played through it all, and they said, yeah, there there is no lock on. Um, so if I am missing something, please let me know. Uh, but I don't believe that I am. I think that's just kind of the way the game is built. But you know, in the end, you adapt to it, and uh, it just adds kind of to the the, ten- the tension of the fights. But the fight's great. Uh, you know, it is more about patience. Um, a game like Valhalla, a lot of times, you know, you can parry and do that, but um, the combat in Assassin's Creed is very brutal, and so you can just be offensive and just go right at the enemy and just keep hacking and pounding and break their shields. This enemies do have shields that you can bust through, but you're better off being patient and taking your time with each one. Um, and so that's what's kind of cool. You know, it, it kind of creates this uh, honorable system. And actually, I mean, a lot of the enemies you take out, it's only a couple hits, but it's actually getting through their defenses and finding the best way to do that. Um, that's kind of neat. But I'm digging it, man. The game is really, really cool. Uh, like I said, I'm glad I'm playing it on the PlayStation 5 with the 60 FPS, but I'm sure anybody who played this game prior, you have you had just as good of an experience as well. Um, it's, it's pretty incredible. It's, uh, an awesome, awesome game. And it comes from Sucker Punch, you know, a team who's, uh, very well known, uh, for their, uh, their infamous, you know, the infamous series and all that. So for them to go from this superhero open world game to now this kind of open world, um, feudal Japan samurai game is, is, um, pretty awesome. So, uh, I highly recommend it, especially now it's probably on sale. You could probably pick it up. Um, so, uh, yeah, go check that game out. It's pretty awesome. Now the complete opposite of that game is uh, a game that my son actually got for Christmas, uh, that we got digitally. And, uh, so I was able to download it on my Xbox as well. We were kind of playing together is uh, WWE 2k battleground. So this is the new, uh, WWE 2k game coming of course from 2k. They didn't put out a standard game this year. They put out more of a arcadey game in this game. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, uh, it is very over the top. Characters are very um, action figurey, I guess is the best way to see it, say it. And to the point where when you get the game initially, your roster is very, very lo- small. You don't have a lot of uh, uh, characters to play as. You have to play the game to kind of unlock them. You get this currency so you can kind of unlock them as you want. Um, but the cool thing is they, when you go to the screen to buy them, they're in, I want to say it almost looks like... Um, uh, just small little action figure packs, you know, like when you buy an action figure with, with the cardboard and the plastic, that's pretty much what it looks like. And they're in there and they're like pounding. Like you can see the characters and they're kind of moving. It's playing their entrance music and they're kind of pounding on the plastic. Like, let me out, let me out. So you got to kind of go through and I mean, it's across the board. You have current wrestlers in there to wrestlers of the past to, you know, Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, ultimate warrior, Andre, the giant, um, and then, like I said, and then of course all the, the newer wrestlers now you can buy Seth Rollins, you can buy, uh, you know, Kevin Owens, which, which probably means nothing to half you people for half of everybody who doesn't watch wrestling, but, um, it's cool. And then the actual matches themselves, uh, are just insane. I mean, the, it's called battlegrounds because literally you're fighting in the ring, but some, some matches, there's alligators around the ring or, you know, some of the moves that you do, like I was playing the one character, Randy Orton. And one of his moves is a suplex where he picks them up, but then he tosses them way up in the air. And then he launches himself up in the air, does a couple uppercuts, and then just slams them down in the ring. And when you hit the ring, the ring bounces and the ropes go all, you know, crazy. It's, it's, it's cool. Like this to me, when I think I've talked about it before, how my son was real big into the, the WWE 2K series um, of games and those games, 
I'm going to say they're hard. Like the counter, you, those games are more about like countering and the timing of that was very difficult. Where this is, it's not necessarily button mashy, but it is somewhat brawly in that sense. And so it feels a little bit mashy, but I mean, there is definitely some finesse to it. I mean, you definitely can counter, you definitely can block, um, but it's not as more grounded or trying to be a a simulation like those other games are. This is very much an arcade game. And uh, we had a blast. I mean, we were playing online together. We jumped in and they have this mode called King of the Battleground where um, essentially you go in and it gets up to four people in the ring and it's all real players around the world. It has cross play, which is cool. And it shows you what they're playing on. I mean, we were playing with some people playing on the Switch and uh, you're just in there. It's just survive for five minutes. It's almost like a Royal Rumble. Like just don't get tossed out. Uh, But you're earning a lot of credits to buy more characters. Uh, It's got this little campaign mode in it that's kind of kind of silly i mean the the story is told through um comic book panels and it's like uh paul Heyman, who's a, a wwe manager hooks up with stone cold to find new wrestlers and it's just kind of cheesy but you play through that you're unlocking credits to buy more characters so in the end i mean that's really what that mode is really all about um but you know hey we got it for cheap i want to say black friday it was 15 bucks we were able to get it um so you know for 15 dollars to have kind of this arcadey wrestling game it's great it, it's it is what it is it serves its purpose and i think even just just off the bat the game is 40 bucks they didn't they didn't charge full price for it because it is somewhat bare bones um but uh you know i'd say hey, if you're a wrestling fan and uh, even if hey, you got some kids in the house they're gonna have a blast with it because it's it's so over the top you know basically you think about how just wrestling is over the top right in many instances with storylines and things like that um this is just completely that it, it's 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 actually kind of perfect honestly uh, for what I personally would want out of a wrestling game. You know, I think back to the games that I loved years ago, uh, you know, on the Nintendo 64, WCW Revenge, uh, you know, and then, of course, moved on to the WWE 2000. Uh, you know, those games were just awesome, those wrestling games. And uh, this doesn't necessarily hit those notes, those high notes, but it's very close. And uh, it's it's cool. It's, it's pretty neat. I, I'm really enjoying it, actually. Uh, all right, well, let's shift gears away from video games and move on to movies. And, and of course, we're talking about Wonder Woman 1984. So I will give you kind of the non-spoilery impressions and thoughts. And then uh, we'll get into just a couple, couple little uh, spoilery stuff um, in terms of characters and kind of where things go. Uh, but we watch it. Of course, it's on HBO Max and available in theaters, I guess, if, if a theater near you is showing it. But we did watch it on HBO Max on Saturday night. Um you know, clocks in, I think it's almost two and a half hours uh, in the end. And, uh, you know, overall, I got to say, this was even not just coming from me, even coming from the family, even even my wife, you know, kind of glad we didn't see it in theaters. <laughs> I'm going to say that. I, I We enjoyed it uh, for what it was. You know, it was one of those movies that you watch it. But there were many, many times I was rolling my eyes like, okay. Um, and, and I don't know how much of that is the me... Not really being, not even just a Wonder Woman fan, but a huge DC fan. I mean, I've talked about that here on the podcast that, you know, I, what was that, a couple of years ago when I went to the library to get all those DC books. I really tried to get into DC and, and, you know, really found a love for a lot of the the Gotham stuff, which I always kind of thought I had, you know, your, your Batman, Batgirl, Nightwing, um, really enjoy those books. Um, got into Superman as well. You know, I think Superman is kind of the, the quintessential superhero um, but other than that, you know, outside of that, I couldn't really get into much, you know, there wasn't really anything. And Wonder Woman was one that I just, you know, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because, you know, I tried to, we, as we we're watching the movie, I was kind of looking up like 
when those heroes came out. And obviously, they're the older heroes compared to Marvel, right? I mean, I mean, Wonder Woman, you're talking 1940s. Um, and I don't know if it's because these heroes were created so long ago. And, you know, that really is the difference, like, between DC and Marvel. For me, what I see is, you know, DC is very much the the classic superhero, you know, very fantastical, often off-worldly, you know, cosmic, all of that, where Marvel, and it's kind of crazy to say this, I don't want to say it's grounded in reality, but like, that's really what Marvel brought to the table, you know, like in the 60s. I mean, even you look at Captain America, even Captain America is the quintessential superhero, but because of all the heroes that came along in Marvel, they had to modernize him and make him change his story, you know, and which they did. Uh, but you know, you look at somebody like an Iron Man or uh, even hell, a Peter Parker with Spider-Man, like they're normal people grounded in reality, right? That that, that come into these, um, then you can say fantastical situations and, and gain their powers that way, where in DC, they're gods, they're larger than life. And so, you know, to me, that's always been kind of my my issue with, with why, or maybe just why I never got into DC. And I don't want to say Wonder Woman 1984 plays on that, but it kind of does, you know, because in the end, Diana is just almost a god, right? I mean, she is so, so powerful in everything that she does. And so going through the movie, um, not that I had a problem with that at all, but there was there was just a lot of it that, I don't know, just seemed kind of cheesy in the way that it played out. And I, but I will say the first 15 minutes of this film are are the I'm I'm gonna say probably the best DC movie. So and look, I'm, I'm not gonna say it's the best. I mean, I, I really shouldn't say that because I know there are some moments that are more badass. But I was like thoroughly entertained with the first two segments. I'm gonna say I'm gonna call them segments here of Wonder Woman 1984. It was awesome. They were great. And then from there, it just kind of went downhill. Um, you know, there's something about the way they present these movies that just, I don't want to, and I keep, I hate to keep saying the word cheesy, but it's like, I even, I even remember like the first Wonder Woman. I loved that movie. It was great. But there were moments where you saw Gal Gadot, like it was clearly, she was clearly in front of a, a, you know, green screen and it just looked cheesy. Like, you know, sometimes you can look at the Marvel, the MCU movies. And I mean, when the battle with Thanos, clearly in front of a green screen, clearly not real, but it looks real. And like, there's moments of of Diana where she's like running fast, and like it just doesn't look right, or she's flying, and it doesn't look right. Like I don't know what they, what Marvel can do that Warner Brothers can't. Like I I just don't understand it. Like and and you know anybody watching this, if you if you did you feel that way? Like that's a question I got to ask. Like did you guys feel that way at points? Like I can't help but feel that way. Now the story itself, I dug it. I think Kristen Wiig was great. Uh, as a villain, I, I really uh, liked her her character. I mean, Kristen Wiig is just awesome in everything she does. I think, you know, I saw some people knocking her uh, for for her performance, but it's like, you know, what she she dealt with what she was given. She brought her Kristen Wiig uh, charm to it, especially you know early on in the film. Um, I don't again, I don't know enough of the Cheetah character to know did she represent that character properly. All I all I know is this Cheetah. This is it. So for me. It was fine. You know, it's Kristen Wiig playing that. Uh, Pedro Pascal was a complete, just threw me off. I had no idea that he was even in the movie till till like a few days before. And I was like, wow, Pedro Pascal's in it for what he brought to it. I thought he was great. You know, he kind of had a, a, a funny wit to him. Um, you know, Gal Gadot, again, playing uh, Diana was awesome. You know, she's a badass in, in the in the film and even in real life. And that's why when she portrays Wonder Woman, it's perfect. 
Um, and so that's the thing. Like you look at all these different parts and all the actors were great. It just seems like the script wasn't fantastic. Um, definitely had those, you know, just kind of subpar moments that were in there and it kind of just took away from it all. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, you're able to get the invisible plane was in there, which was, oh, which I guess that's a spoiler. I probably shouldn't have said that, which was cool. Um, but, um, I don't know. That was kind of my, my takeaway uh, for the movie. And you know, what? I'm, I'm not even going to get into spoiler territory cause I don't want to even to even go into it too much. Cause, cause again, I think anything that would be spoilery, um, is maybe, uh, things that, you know, I can't really comment on too much because I don't know the backstory. Like that's me. I, I would think if you were a hardcore Wonder Woman fan, probably really enjoyed this actually no i will get into some spoiler stuff in a minute but you know i i think if you were you there were probably little nods like you know i'm sorry to spoil the plane but um you know that that's that's not even a deep cut i wonder woman deep cut but that's something that true fans would know if you didn't know about that you'd see that and just be like okay whatever but wonder woman fans know that me as a comic book fan i know that you know so seeing that was cool it was a nod to that um but i would love to know if there were other little hidden things kind of around the film but Overall, you know, like I said, <clears throat> we we enjoyed it for what it was, um, but definitely glad we didn't go see it in the theaters. And and you know, I, I don't know if I'll ever really watch it again. You know, if it's on TV, I'll probably watch it. You know, if somebody gets the network broadcast rights, but it's not like I'm going to go sit down right now and fire it up on HBO Max and watch it again. Um, to me, it just doesn't didn't didn't hit that note, which you know, somewhat disappointing, definitely, because you know the first movie was just awesome, and this one just seems kind of. I don't know. It, it just wasn't, it wasn't great. And, and this is across the board, even, you know, my whole family, like my son, my wife, and even my daughter were just like, eh, you know, it wasn't that great. Especially, I mean, my daughter loved the first one and she was definitely a bit uh, disappointed with this one, but uh, all right, let's wrap that there quick. I'm going to do want to get into just brief little territory or uh, spoiler territory. And it's, it's for those first two segments and just kind of talk about those. Um, so come back in about, let's say three or four minutes. I should be able to get through it and all that. So here we go. All right, so first off, the beginning, the race part was awesome. Just super cool. What a way to kick off a movie. Young Diana running against those, uh, you know, other Amazon women uh, was very, very cool. And I think, you know, having her, I, we're going to say cheat, right? And, you know, she does whatever she needs to to get through it. But then in the end, have the rug kind of pulled out from under her, I think kind of really set the, sets the tone for her character. And uh, that was great. Great opening to the movie with that. But then move forward to what really was the true opening to the movie of the mall scene. I absolutely loved that scene. That was everything you wanted out of there, you know, from a movie called Wonder Woman 1984. It completely set the tone for 1984, completely set us up with, you know, Wonder Woman saving, you know, the the runner by kicking the car. Then we get into the mall. And then, you know, not only that, the setting of the clothes, Everything in the mall with from the Walden books to the, you know, what else was there? J.C. Penny, which, you know, I guess there's still J.C. Penny around, but seeing all the different stores in there and just the way that mall looked and, you know, people doing, uh, you know, the exercise in the middle of the mall. It was just awesome. And then you even kind of have somewhat the and see, this is where the cheesy and corniness, I think, fit, you know, where you had the um, the way the, those robbers come in and, you know, you it's OK to have that right at, at some point. But when it kind of carried through a lot of the movie, that's what I didn't really, I don't know. I just kind of didn't stick. But that whole scene was just awesome. It looked like a scene right out of what would be like a, an 80s film. Um, I loved it. Patty Jenkins like completely nailed that moment. And, uh, you know, if anything, if I was ever to go really back right now on demand and watch this something from this movie, it would be that. It would be the first 15 minutes of the movie. 
or 10 minutes, whatever it was. Like it, I loved that. Like that was perfect. And I wish kind of wish some of that carried through, um, you know, Pedro Pascal's character and kind of his commercials and that, I guess you did kind of get some of that, even just the way he acted, uh, in a lot of the movie was kind of there, but I don't know, you know, overall, I just, I was kind of meh. It's just kind of where I was. And so, um, I don't know, but that's enough for the spoilers. We're going to bring it back here. It was only a couple minutes here, but uh, I would love to know your thoughts. Please tell me what you thought of the movie. Either email me, theenthuselife at gmail.com, or hit me on Twitter at Marturka, M-E-R-K-T-U-R-C. I would love to know your thoughts on Wonder Woman 1984 because it seems to be pretty divisive. You know, some people I know are really enjoying it. Others are just kind of mathing Metacritic. It was at like a 50-something. I haven't even checked Rotten Tomatoes. I don't even want to know what the critics thought of this movie if I'm feeling this way about it. Uh, but, uh, you know, Hey, supposed to come out over a year ago. What was it like November, 2019? And, uh, we got it over a year later. So, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's a different version of this. Maybe we'll get the justice league Snyder cut of wonder woman, 1984 at some point doubt it, but, uh, you know, who knows, but, uh, all right, well, that's going to do it for me today, guys. Big thank you as always to GamerGoo for continuing to support the show. Don't forget the new beach breeze scent is now shipping. You can get out there. You can purchase that just go over to gamergoo.com you can also see all the other scents over there be sure to use my promo code tell if you do decide to purchase some t-e-l save yourself 10 percent off your order today they can get that shipped out to you and again the beach breeze scent i'm gonna get my hands on it soon so i'll be giving you my thoughts on it uh, i can't wait to smell that man because i'm telling you when he introduced or when they introduced the teakwood teakwood is it for me like that is my favorite it replaced cinnamon got a feeling beach breeze maybe taking over for the Teakwood. So again, go to GamerGoo.com, use my code TEL, T-E-L, and save yourself 10% off your order today. Well, don't forget again, tomorrow we will have the patron episode in the feed, so be on the lookout for that. And then I'll be back Wednesday with another new episode. Uh, I think we're going to go all through the week this week. There's no reason to really not have one. I'm, I'm, well, new Year's, we'll see. Uh, you know, Friday, uh, hopefully if I can get one recorded on Thursday, I'll put that into the feed to come out on Friday. Uh, but I should be able to do that. I'm, I'm off actually starting uh, after uh, tomorrow. On Wednesday, I'm off for six days. So uh, we'll definitely uh, have some time to record. So if I don't record, call me out on it, please. Again, hit me on Twitter at Marturk at M-A-R-K-T-U-R-C. So hopefully you guys have a good rest of your day. And until tomorrow, we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.